There we go. Another episode, guys. Welcome back to the official Headshot Crew pod. This is episode number two. I'm very excited about this. Um, uh, once again, this episode is brought to you by the Headshot Crew because this is the official Headshot Crew podcast. So if you're not a member of the Headshot Crew, um, here's the quick lowdown on, on what the Headshot Crew is all about. So if you look at the market nowadays for coaching, there's a ton of info on lighting. There's a ton of info, a ton of info on camera stuff. Um, but no one really teaches you to interact with your portrait subject. And let's be honest, if you're a portrait photographer, knowing how to interact with your portrait subject would be like 80% of your, of your knowledge base. So if you're not comfortable with that, guess where you can go to get this information? Yeah, it's the Headshot Crew, guys. So this is Peter Hurley's uh, coaching platform. He is considered the premier headshot photographer in the world, and he uses all the knowledge that he's accumulated uh, throughout his entire career, and he just teaches it to you, and you have access to all that information. So if you're interested on joining, um, you c there's two ways to join. Actually, there's three ways. So you could do an annual subscription, um, which, trust me, it's worth it. But if you're not ready for that commitment, you could always do a monthly subscription. Uh, but the best of both worlds, to me, and this is the best plan ever, guys. This is the best deal you could ever get for a coaching platform. Uh, you sign up for the Headshot Crew, and you sign up for three months, and you get a free copy of the Headshot. So that's Peter Hurley's book. Uh, and you get it signed. So he signs it for you and he ships it to you anywhere in the world. So that's the best deal um, out of all three, in my opinion. So go to headshotcrew.com, check it out, and sign up. We'd love to have you as a member of the crew. So I do have to give a quick shout out to Lisa Marie Payne. She won Headshot of the Week uh, this past week, and uh, the image is absolutely stellar. And she's producing really cool work. So, Lisa, congratulations. Here's your shout-out. And um, I hope to see more cool work from you in the future. And you're almost ready for associates, so stop fooling around. Anyway, so let's get down to it, guys. This week, I have Mr. Michael Schacht. If you don't know who that is, he is a Chicago-based photographer. He shoots headshots, and he shoots the most unbelievable portraits. So, um, this was a really cool interview. I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. All right, here's the podcast. Enjoy it, guys. All right, enough of that. Get over here. We're going to start right now. Three, two, one. Shipping! All right, ladies and gentlemen. I've got the rock star himself, Mr. Mike Schacht. What's going on, Mike? Not much, sir. How are you tonight? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, it is tonight. Because as of this time, ladies and gentlemen, we've been trying to record this for a while. And right now, it's 1.25 a.m. where I am. And it's what? 7.25 where you are? Yeah, going on 7.30. Yeah, yeah, getting close. We got it done. We got it done. That's the important part. So, um, first of all, I want to start by uh, saying that I'm a huge fan of your work, so I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm, I'm blushing. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're blushing. There we go. 
So I wanted to start to know where this, where all of this came from. So where did the love for photography come from? The love for photography. That's so, I wish I had like a, a super cool answer. Like I was born with a camera in my hand, but I got into photography because I had a regular job like most people and it was tied to the, uh, the housing market. So when the housing market crashed, I was, I was forced to find something new to do. And um, I had been in sales and I knew that, you know, there was something cool about being in control of your own destiny. I was just tired of, um, of sharing the, the big part of the profits with the house. So, um, so I looked for a career that I could start that had a relatively low barrier of entry, meaning I didn't need a whole bunch of money to, to start a business. And, uh, and I chose photography and off to the races. There you go. And, uh, from where did headshots come from? <laughs> so, um, during that first year I shot, I shot a lot of people. Um, I was, I was your low budget guy. Um, and a lot, I mean, I, I was in the park photographing families. I was, um, I was at birthday parties. I mean, like you name, you name the job you wouldn't want to do today. And I was doing that. And occasionally I'd get a call for a headshot. Um, and there was just something about having the room to yourself with someone um, so there was an intimacy thing that I dug. Um, there was a vulnerability part of it. There was a, you know, being a part of really creating change in someone's life that I really liked. And I'm, I'm relatively tall and I didn't like photographing kids. Like I spent most of my time leaning over to make that happen. And I knew I didn't like working with brides. Uh, so I knew that if I wanted to make it in photography, I needed to find a niche that allowed me to be me. And, uh, and I really liked these, um, these relationships that these short relationships that were built. And, um, you know, even to this day, my favorite part of being a headshot photographer is the people I meet, the stories, like everyone, everybody's cool. Uh, you just have to figure out, in what way they're cool. Like you don't have much time to connect with their coolness. Um, so that's become the game over the years. It's, it's, it's how quickly can I find somebody's cool and then figure out how to relate to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's how headshots and why headshots. Um, so you're just looking for cool people. And, and like I said, I think, if you look hard enough, you will find cool in 99% of people. There's, there's one, there's one person in each bunch that'll sometimes send you spinning. But, uh, for the most part, I, I'm looking to find the cool in the person. I think everyone that walks through the door is likely going to be cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I share that exact feeling. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you is, you actually got involved with Peter way before the whole um, headshot crew slash PH2 Pro deal. So 
How did that happen? Um, so it was like, I wouldn't say I got in way before, but I was early on PH2. Um, yeah, I found the F stoppers video, not the, the art behind the headshot, but like the, they came to the studio and filmed him. And, um, I really was inspired. Um, you know, so much so that, you know, he's, he's got this, this, this video that kind of, it's part speaking to clients and part speaking to photographers. I think it seemed mostly client driven actually, as I think back on it. Oh, the one but, where he's uh, on the roof talking about it. Well, maybe it wasn't F stoppers. He's in his studio. Maybe, there were so many videos early on. Um, it, it, it may have cut to the roof too. I don't know. At any rate, you know, he's just got this larger than life personality. And I was like, that guy is going to be successful. And I didn't realize how successful he already was, but I would say by his own standards, he's considerably more successful now than he was then. Um, and there, I don't know. I've watched people over the years jump into the headshot crew funnel. And the, the first thing that, that most people try to do is be Peter. Um, like they, they, they try to assume his personality and, um, imitate him. And, uh, uh, after watching that over and over, like there's a reason people do it. It's, it's, it's because there's something contagious about the guy. Um, I I, I love him. I love hanging out with him. It's, it's always a good time. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you get into headshots, you quickly move up the ranks and you become an associate and then a while later, you become a mentor. But then at some point, um, I started seeing this really these really cool images, like portraits, like Vanity Fair style portraits uh, from you. And how did that come about? Like, what, what was the click in you that made you go, I'm going to try this stuff now? It was, um, it was actually like, three years ago to the month because Facebook does a great job of reminding you like last year on this day, you did this. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so like this month I've been bombarded with that, that, that first influx of, uh, of, of work that I wanted to create. And, um, it was, so three years ago, 2015, um, it was right after, um, the Oscars, or I guess right before the Oscars, um, there was a spread in the Hollywood Reporter that Miller Mobley had shot, and um, there were Channing Tatum was in it, um, uh, Michael Keaton. There, I mean, there were a handful of dudes that you, you just want to shoot because they're they're either horribly attractive or incredibly interesting. Um, but it was this cool. Um, it was this very cool set and they were like backstage and there's film can film canisters all over the place. And, um, there's this neat light that was just, uh, peering down from above and a little bit of a, a haze and flare to go with it. I don't know. It was, after a few years of shooting nothing but, um, people on white backdrops, 
more or less the same lighting over and over and over again. I saw this and I was like, I want to do that. Um, so I remember the guy I shared the studio with, we, we looked at this picture for, I don't know, an, an hour that day. And I think it just showed up in my Facebook feed. Um, I don't remember how I stumbled across it, but it was, it was a picture taken for that year's Oscars. And, um, uh, so we dissected the light a hundred times and, you know, now looking back on it, it's, it's not complicated lighting, but at the time it was so far from anything I had done before that I had no idea how to achieve it. So I started getting into Miller's work and, um, you know, it's funny, I'm sitting in my basement office right now and I've got, I don't know, I'm surrounded by 20 or 30 prints. Most of them were from that first year. Um, cause I, I haven't updated stuff down here, but I'm looking right at, um, the first time that I tried to, you know, create something that was heavily based off of his work. And, uh, and I still dig that picture. Um, you know, there's, there's something cool about that time because I didn't know enough to be able to make educated guesses. Um, I didn't like today. I think we all do this to a certain extent. Um, the the technical aspect of it can get in the way if you're not careful. Like, I can be like, I'm smart enough to figure this out. Like, we're just going to keep on changing this until it's right. Um, where back then, you know, I didn't have any other light shaping tools to use. I, I was using the... Um, I was using the Kinos to, to light this. Like I was just trying to apply what I already knew to pull this stuff off. And, um, you know, there's something cool about that because it keeps things simple. Um, you know, you're not, you're not so, I don't know, bombarded by, by technical stuff. You just, you do what you know how to do because that that's your only option. Um, where now I, I can certainly overthink something to death and it's something I'm always consciously working on, um, is to stay out of my own way and just create work, um, help the people shine. Um, I don't know. So from there, um, Miller was really my introduction to Annie. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, I, I knew that name and, um, I knew that, you know, she was a powerhouse in photography. Um, but it was it was via Miller that I got into her work. And then, you know, that sends you down a whole nother spiral of self-doubt because, um, you know, there's something about recognizable faces um, and celebrities that I think just makes pictures inherently cooler. Um, and maybe that's a me thing, but you know, if, if your job as a photographer, I look at my job as a photographer is to create a scenario where, um, where someone viewing an image can connect to it. So it's way easier, I think, to connect to someone you already know. And even if you don't like know them personally, like, you know, them as an entity, as a, as a personality, I, I think it's easier to do that when they're famous. Um, so I start looking at Annie's work and then, you know, Annie leads to, um, DeMarchier and just one thing after another. Um, and 
I, I get bombarded with inspiration. And for those next two years, I did an amazing job of just cranking out work. Uh, every week I, I, I had something new scheduled and I, I was very diligent about pushing myself. And what's difficult about that is that at some point I said to myself, I want every picture I take to be better than the one before. Like I, I should say every picture I share, I, realistically, every picture you take is not going to be better than the one before. But yeah. now I find myself not sharing as much work because I'm holding myself to a almost impossible standard. Um, so now I'm trying to like loosen the reins on that a little bit. Like that, that's not necessarily a realistic goal because, you know, these shoots are, are team projects. Um, so ultimately it's my job to make sure we get something that works, but you know, if, if the subject's not in it or the makeup artist dropped the ball or whatever, um, you know, I can't, I can't take all that heat. It's not on me. So I feel like I'm just talking and babbling. Go ahead and like share. Go ahead and go ahead and interject. I'm sorry to no, shut you up. Well, that's pretty much what the what the whole goal of this podcast is is to let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> I did have so you 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 mentioned Annie and I did have a follow up question about that. So I don't know if you if you've seen her master class and in her master class she, she says something that I find very interesting because I. I just want to hear you. <laughs> I know where you're going. Go ahead. Uh, well, she says that she doesn't believe that the photographer is responsible for the subject being at ease or the subject being, re for the lack of the better word, relaxed in front of the camera. How do you feel about that? Well, it kind of goes counter to what I believe, but I mean, if she's Annie, she can do what she wants. Um, personally, I think that especially because um, of the caliber of people I'm working with, like if I don't make someone look cool, then I'm going to have a hard time getting somebody else to work with me. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I mean, for, for that reason, for a number of reasons, you know, ideally we're getting hired to do this work and not doing personal work and going back to that same thing. I don't have, that kind of, uh, I would say name recognition or just clout to be able to get away with posting uncomfortable pictures of people. Um, so I, for my work, I definitely try and make sure that people look comfortable. I think, I think as, as a headshot photographer, I'm just so programmed to, uh, to bring the cool out of people and to bring the, and, and make them at ease and create something that's, um, that's going to be valuable marketing material for them. Um, you know, I'm so programmed that way that I wouldn't even want an image of someone not looking cool to be released. And that's a constant battle. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not in agreement with that, but, when I heard that and I, I did, I did watch the series. And when, when I heard that, I was like, really, that's disappointing. But I, I mean, you think back to, um, you know, in the portrait pro, we, we, we kicked it off with Avedon and, uh, for anyone who's been through, um, through an intensive, you've probably heard 
Peter tell his Avedon story about the where was it a duchess or something? Yeah, the Duke uh, of it's not Edinburgh. Is it Edinburgh? No. It's the Duke of uh Windsor. Duke of Windsor. Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Yeah, and and their dogs and yeah, like that that whole story. Um now did he capture a moment there? Sure. Was it was it a flattering one? Absolutely not. Um but I, I think that like he he's Richard Abaddon. He he can do that. But do you think do you think that some people just have that aura? Like uh, you you hear stories of uh, Peter Lindbergh while he's shooting and uh, Platon or Platone or Platon. How do you how do you say his name? I think it's Platon. Platon. There you go. So you hear stories of them shooting, and they're so naturally gifted at connecting with their subjects. Do you think that's a, that that some people just have that? Yes, but I also think that, you know, where I guess where I would challenge you on that is that um, when it, even for a headshot, when, when I'm hired by someone that, you know, has spent hours on my website, like soaking up as much as they could, and like they generally believe that there's no other person on the planet that is a better fit for them than, than I am. And they trust me, and 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 they give in to that trust. Um, then that connection just comes easily. So when you've got someone like an Avedon or a Platon or whatever, whoever um, that's that's got that reputation, and these people come in knowing, okay, well, this is a big deal. I I get to shoot with Annie today. Um, they're not gonna. I don't want to say they're not going to make the person work for it, but it's more than likely in most scenarios going to come a little bit easier. Yeah. They're willing to put themselves in the photographer's hands. Yeah. There's, there's a trust there. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, so the whole, so where do the whole, um, you know, the backdrops and the busyness and the props and the messiness of the, of the whole frame, where does that come from? Is it from, is it from just Mobley? Is it from Annie? Is it from, where do you draw most of your inspiration from? So for years and pretty much since 2012, um, 90% of the headshots I've taken have, have been in, in a tight frame on a white or maybe like a dark gray backdrop. So the portraiture for me is kind of like a a rebellion against that. The, antith- like, the antithesis of that. Yes. So it's like, and I really, you know how some, some people talk about they get that seasonal disorder where they, when they go too long without seeing sun, they, they start to like go into some sort of a depression or yeah. um, just like not themselves. That's, essentially what happens now with my portrait stuff if i do too many headshot sessions without breaking to do personal work um i start to get that feeling um because i've created this 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 need for myself to to make something different and um i would say that miller was the start of it but there's there's just so many greats that um you know you 
you trace this stuff far, far enough back and like nobody's reinventing the wheel. Um, uh, do you and, have, do you have one that you think are, is really underrated and that people don't pay enough attention to one artist? Yeah. Oh man. Throwing you curveballs here. Yeah, that is a curveball. Um, I don't. I mean, I think it 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 used to be Miller, but I think he's he's kind of hitting um, critical mass. Um, yeah. uh, let me f- make sure I say this right. I've got an idea. Have you ever heard of um, Christian Schuler? S C H U L L E R. Schuler, that that last name is not foreign to me, but I don't know. So it, on Instagram, for anyone listening, um, K R I S T I A N S C H U L L E R. I don't see. I mean, he's got a hundred thousand followers, so he's not unknown. But um, I, I don't see that name come up very often. And it truly is incredible work. Um, uh, I don't know. See, so like a lot of what I like about Norman Jean Roy, I see in Schuler's work and just like taken to the next level. And for me, a lot of that is color um, where I think that like Norman Jean Roy, if you didn't, if you didn't, and I love, I love and hate this about Pinterest. Like you type Annie's name, into Pinterest and other people's work comes up because someone didn't know any better and they just tagged it. Um, so I think that there's a lot of, um, of Norman Jean Roy's work that, that has an Annie vibe to it. But for me, where I really like notice his work shines is I think that his color is more intentional. Um, where most of, um, most of Annie's work, I think you could describe as monochromatic. Um, uh, Norman's work has like intentional color palettes. Not, not that monochromatic work doesn't have an intentional color palette. It's just that when you get into some of the triadic harmonies and stuff like that, um, it's a little bit more difficult to pull off. But when you do, it just pops. And I never get tired of looking at his work. That's actually a good segue. So you mentioned the color, the triads and all that jazz. So how much color theory does one need to know to start color grading? I think very little. So um, I think it, it depends on... Uh, so I guess I'll start with what I think is cool about monochromatic images and um in most monochromatic images you're going to have like a similar a similar tone run through your your shadows and your midtones and your highlights there's there's going to be a um a vibe created by that tone um much like you get in a black and white image um you've like gray is your your big color um so what i like about monochromatic shots is they almost always work in black and white. Like if, if you find that you're one hell of a black and white shooter, 
I'll bet that you could take that image and tone it monochromatically and have something maybe not equally cool, but, um, but certainly cooler, cooler than straight out of camera. Um, now, as you, as you add these harmonies and like things get more complicated, um, I think you need to know a little bit more. Um, but in terms of like the actual grading of the images, I think as long as you know better than to have a picture where someone's skin doesn't look like skin, um, like they start to look like they're an alien, um, then I think go for it and have fun. Uh, with anything photography related, like get out of your own way and just try something. Um, and that's, what's cool. What I think we're, I think that's, what's cool about what's going on in, in the portrait group of, um, headshot crew now, um, is that like people are trying stuff and if it sucks, that's fine. Um, I'll tell you in in the nicest way I can think of that it sucks. And then I'll tell you what I would have done differently. And then you can totally disagree with me. And I think that that is ultimately the coolest thing about portraiture is that they're all opinions and everybody's got an opinion. Um, I think it's easier when you can, can back up your shot and say, well, you know, I did, I did this. This is why I did this. And I think it's successful because I did it this way. Um, so like intent, I think is a big part of, of pulling stuff off. Like if, if you can explain to me your thought process and your thought process isn't full of holes, then, then you win whether I like the picture or not. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. Most of the times when, when we give critiques is for people to, is, is to understand if people are breaking the rules. Cause there's nothing wrong with breaking the rules and people sometimes get a little bit, um, uh, to, they get too hung up on the rules. There's nothing wrong with breaking the rules as long as you're doing it consciously. So if you're breaking the rules and you had no idea what you did, that's a problem. I would say. I mean, if you want to, you know, shoot right in people's crotches and that's your thing, then by all means, like rock on. Hey, that's what I do. Uh, yeah. That's, and that's cool. Like I've, I've, I've come to appreciate it. Thank you. Mike. Uh, yeah. I was actually just an, an admiring, um, your, uh, your, your headshot banner image. And then I, or I'm sorry, your Facebook banner image. And then I scroll down a little bit and see this cool, portrait of this dude in this slick black hat that i had never noticed before did you post that like recently that was today that was today yeah i i hadn't caught that yet that's awesome yeah thanks yeah can't wait to see uh the pullback and the crew so i'm i'm experiencing exactly what you're so what you mentioned about um kind of falling into a rut with my headshot work i am now experiencing that where i have been shooting headshots since 2012 and the, the reality is headshot the headshot work is not very quote unquote creative because you're essentially shooting the same thing all in, all over like over and over again just the person changes and that is fascinating by itself don't get me wrong but the creative process when it like the technical creative process changes dramatically when you start um shooting portraiture uh so like it's like 
you said, we shoot very clean headshot work and then I completely identify with what you said. I want my portraits to be the opposite of my headshot work. I want it to be the rebellion of it. Like you said, I, I completely identify with that. And as like related to that, since you've started shooting portraits, have you felt that in any way your headshot work changed because of your new uh, line of work? So what's cool, how do I always say this? So like originally when I started shooting portraits, it was all pulled back stuff Yeah, where I, I wanted to like bring the environment in. Now, not like exclusively, but now I find myself shooting more closer portraits. Um, like it's kind of coming full circle. And, um, I'm getting, I'm getting more and more obsessed with expressions in my portrait work where, you know, if, if you've got someone taking up a a third of the frame in, in a, in a full body portrait and like, you're just surrounded by other cool stuff, I'm not saying you can totally throw expression out the window. But you've got a little bit more leeway. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's not going to be completely mission critical. If, if things are a little off, you've, you've got room to maneuver. Um, so because it's hard to direct someone from that far away. Uh, when I'm, I mean, there's lights and shit's flaring and, uh, you know, sometimes there's, there's haze going across and, you know, what are you left with? So like now I'm, I'm, I'm coming in closer. I'm grabbing that, that, that longer lens and I'm keeping with the portrait lighting and, um, I'm still probably using a backdrop of some kind, or I'm, I happen to be in a cool place where I can throw something out of focus in the background. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a tighter shot. And, I definitely find myself relying more on my headshot skills for that specifically. And then to your point about it, it actually creeping into the headshot work. Um, I think it's important to, you know, we run businesses, we, we sell a product and, or maybe it's a service. I don't know. Um, probably depends on who the client is, but regardless, uh, they need to know what to expect. They need to know what they're, they're going to get and having some uniformity in, in your work is important. So I always make sure that I get that thing that they hired me to do that, um, that, that product or service that they, they were attracted to on, on my website. But, but now I'm, I'm just, because I can get that faster now than I've ever been able to do before. Um, just out of repetition and um, just been doing it for so long. I don't need 90 minutes to get a good picture of somebody. I need, I don't know, 30 minutes. And most of the time, if I put something on my calendar, I'm going to book out an hour just in case, because you never know what the next person is going to bring to the table. And maybe they come in a mess or they're running 20 minutes late. And you say, uh, you know, time's up, but 
you don't want someone walking out without I, a being satisfied and b you believing in the product you've given them. So if we wind up with 30 minutes left over where I used to like kick the person out of the studio or kind of just end the shoot and uh, move on. And now I take that time and maybe we'll, we'll shoot a couple portraits and that's just an opportunity to make a little extra money um, and practice and maybe create something for the portfolio. You never know. You never know. Like some of my favorite pictures are not, of the most attractive people I've ever, I've ever shot. Um, and I feel better about that. Like I get more jacked up. Like most people can take a, a nice picture of a super attractive person, but if you've got someone that's like a seven and you make them a 10, forget about it. That's awesome. And they're, they're gonna, their network knows they're a seven. They might even think they're a six. Um, so you get that, you're walking around with that picture as a 10. I think, I think that's, that's just good marketing. So I heard you say, uh, I don't know when you said this, but, uh, this really resonated with me that when you do shoots like that, where you start with headshots and then you transition to portraits. So uh-huh. when you shoot their headshots, you make them feel great about their look. But when you shoot their portraits, you make them feel cool. Like you make them confident about their, their, you know, they're, they just feel cool. Like they look at the portrait and they go, Oh, I I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could look like that. Whereas the headshot is more, Oh wow. That's a great expression. You know, I think that, I mean, I, I hope that people think that they look cool in, in their headshot too. A lot of times, people are reluctant to pick the picture that they look super cool in because they don't want, they they don't want to look too cool for school in their, in their LinkedIn profile maybe, but they still like that picture and they'll, they'll take it home with, but the, the one that they run with the one that they use as their marketing might be a little lean more towards the approachable side and less cocky prick. Um, I don't know. But no, I, I don't think that anyone expects to to walk out of a headshot session with a picture of them looking like they could be in a magazine. Like that's tip. Maybe the actors, the actors have that expectation because they all think they're that they're going to be in a magazine one day, and hopefully they are. But um, but no, you do this stuff for for the corporate guys, especially the the ones with money to burn, and. Oh, yeah. um, you know, people look up to them. like they are leaders for a reason. Um, so yeah, I, I, I dig that. I, I like, I like making regular people feel like badasses. There you go. Uh, one of the things that I also wanted to talk to you about is you've recently started a uh, coaching platform. Uh, what made you want to start? What made you launch that? Talk to me about the thought process behind that. So we've got um, headshot sales and marketing. And I feel like, you know, especially in the crew, I think we've all got our strong suits. We all got that, that area that we understand better than other people. And I think that my scenario is a little bit unique in that, um, when I got into this, 
and I realized I wanted to be a headshot photographer. You know, it, it really was, it was like 2011 to 2012, like was the, okay, take everything else off the website. It's time to be a headshot photographer. So, um, I happened to be sharing a studio with a guy at the time that was, um, pretty active in the actor headshot community. And I don't want to say out of respect or whatever, whatever it was, I, I, maybe it was lack of confidence on my part. Who who knows exactly what the reason was. I'm sure it was a, a combination of things, but, um, but I was like, I'm not going after, after that work. I'm going after corporate work. And, um, I got myself positioned early on and coming from a little bit of the corporate world, I knew how to talk to those people. Um, like I, I had worked a desk job. I had, I had worked in offices. So, um, I felt like I could be the person that they connected with because there were no other corporate headshot photographers in town. Um, and I think that the sales process with them is, different they're they're a more sophisticated buyer than um than the actor the actor coming out of school is has been in a class and in that class the teacher said go see one of these three photographers or or maybe it was even more specific than that go see this photographer then they go get their um uh they go get their agent and their agent says okay go see this photographer so it's not a very sophisticated buying process. Those guys are going to get work regardless because of the, the networks that they've created and the referral programs that they've created. So, um, uh, with the corporate people or the business people or the entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think that that required a little bit more of a, um, a sophisticated buying process and an educational one. And um, I figured that out relatively early. And then I reaped the benefits of it for years. It was 2015 before the rest of the guys in town realized that um, that their market was dwindling and mine was growing. And, and then they all started to follow suit. And what was cool about that was that it forced me to be even better. Um, I am all for competition, especially that of the marketing variety, because typically people that are spending money on marketing know that, uh, know, know the value of what they do. And they know that there's a, a cost of acquisition for clients. And once people start to realize that they stop trying to race to the bottom of the, uh, of the rates pool. So it creates this, this better group of competition. So long story short, um, I reap these benefits for years and, um, and then I, I just set things on autopilot and I, I was getting work and I didn't care. And then one thing led to another and I look around and I'm surrounded by people who are taking their SEO more seriously. They're, um, they've, they've got a pretty sophisticated network of blogs that they're relying on and, um, uh, about a year ago, maybe less than a year ago, it'll be a year in July. So what's that like nine months ago, uh, 10 months ago? Um, I said, okay, it's, it's time to stop and get serious about this. So, um, 
I looked at what I had and I looked at what other people were doing and I looked at what was available in terms of technology and I started putting all of that together and AB testing things one by one. Okay. So if I do this, what are the results? And you run with that for a month. Okay. So now I've got 30 days of data and I've always had traffic and traffic is essential for collecting data. So you, you run for 30 days and you collect this data and then you switch things up and you run for 30 days and collect that data and you decide, okay, one of these two is better. We're going to proceed with that. And then you tweak something different and, um, in a different part of your sales funnel. And then you create sales funnels. Um, like that was not something I really understood before and landing pages and advertising campaigns and AdWords and Facebook ads and retargeted that like, there are, there's so much technology and there's so much um, data out there that for guys like you and me, who we are, we are, we are business owners. We run business. We run companies. Oh, yeah. Um, so you know, I'm a big fan of the term paralysis by analysis. I think that it's very easy. And I, I find that most of us, at least most of us in the headshot crew, are are self-starters or we're DIY guys um, and gals. And um, we try to research our way into success. Well, there's just too much information out there and half of it sucks. So basically what I did over the next six months, seven months, and I I continue to do today um, is sort through this information, figure out what's BS and what's legit, test it, and then, um, and then share it. And that's what this class is. And what I didn't expect and what's absolutely amazing is that because of the nature of the people that are taking this class, because like I said, we're, we're DIY people. We, we have a thirst for knowledge. Um, everyone seems to like take one thing and then take it to the next level, and then that gets reshared within the group, and we all benefit from it. So we've got this killer Facebook group that's um, it's private. It's it's only for people that have taken the class, so that we're not re-explaining everything over and over again. But we've got this killer Facebook group of people that are just excelling in so many different ways. Um, and I've been watching people go from like being buried on page six of Google. Um, you know, fighting for a top three spot in a big city. I think that that, I mean, that's, that's three months, maybe four months. That's, that's amazing. Um, and it can be done. It just takes work. And, um, what we do together, what this collective is doing is, you know, helping people cut through that learning curve and become successful faster. And, you know, we all have our own definition of success, but, in this group, success is making more money, um, and ultimately, everyone's doing that. So I don't know. I'm I'm constantly impressed with with what this group has achieved as a whole. Each new group that comes in, um, you know, I've I become you know every time I go through this. So we've taught we we just started last week our 
our fourth session. So it's four weeks. Of, it's a 30 day class. Um, so it's four weeks of content each week. Um, a new chunk of content gets released and then we do a live true cast type thing. Um, uh, on Monday nights to review that content and answer those questions. And, you know, sometimes we'll bring um, people that have been through it back in to give their two cents and, and help out. I don't know. It's everything that the headshot crew was for me in the beginning, learning how to be a headshot photographer. Um, that's, that's what this has become on the marketing end of things. And the activity in this group is just phenomenal. Oh, that's cool. So one, what's one of the main mistakes uh, in terms of marketing that you see photographers make nowadays? Basically, I think that the biggest thing is that they're all operating on obsolete knowledge. It's um, like... How so? Let's say that you realize that you're buried in search and you start Googling, okay, um, I need, I need to improve my SEO. So, you know, it, it doesn't take a PhD to post something on the internet. Um, so they're either reading stuff that was posted in 2010 or they're reading stuff that was posted in 2017 that's regurgitated from somebody's post in 2010. So Google is constantly refining its algorithm. And um, with that, the search engine signals. So stuff that was relevant then isn't relevant today. Um, so th I'd, I'd say that that's a big thing. But I think that another another area where I see people go wrong is um, You know, you're not going to get to page one overnight in most markets. Now, if if, if you're in a slower market without a lot of traffic, you, you might be able to pull that off quickly. Um, but that doesn't mean you're screwed either. Um, I think that it's important to have, you know, multiple funnels coming to your web. I mean, your, your website's the core. Um, but you've got to have multiple access points. And while you're building your organic then you can be supplementing with paid search and paid search if done properly doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, you can run an ad at $5 a day. So what's that come out to about $150 a month. Yeah. You know, most of us are hopefully charging at least $150 for a headshot. So, um, so you, you might give up one client to get four. Well, why, why wouldn't you do that? Um, so I think that, an understanding of what tools are available to you um, makes the whole process a lot more, um, a lot less intimidating. Like that, that's all it's, it's intimidation. All of this knowledge, all of this power is intimidating because you don't know where to start. You back to the process by analysis thing. You've got so many options. It's like, okay, I want to run a, um, an AdWords campaign. So, um, you know, you sign up for AdWords Express, maybe, or maybe you, you watch a YouTube tutorial on how to do AdWords and they're going to show you the back end, like 
you know, this is where you plug in your keywords and this is where you set your max cost per click and this is where you put your budget. Um, but what they don't tell you there is that you don't want to send that traffic right back to your homepage. Um, and that's the logical thing. Most people think, well, my, my website's set up for people to enter through the homepage. Um, but you want to send that to a landing page designed for specifically for people that are searching for those specific terms. And that that landing page should be filled with call to actions. And um, you need to like operate it as an actual sales funnel as opposed to just creating more traffic. Those people that get to your homepage organically, like they're conditioned differently than the people that arrive there via paid search. And um, so I what's think that the that's a, what, sorry, what's the difference between a homepage and the landing page? So a landing page is going to be a page on your website um, that you create that is different from your homepage because on a landing page, you don't care about SEO. You don't have, if, if done properly, um, the homepage of, of your website should be heavily optimized for search. Um, on a landing page, you don't have to do that. So you don't have to, um, to have all of this distracting content that's just there for the search engine to see. You can be much more um, specific in what, in what you say so that they understand exactly what they're supposed to do. In any website, you should control the funnel. You should, you being the, the photographer, the developer, um, you know, you should be able to send people exactly where you want them to go. And I guess most, and I, I could go on for days on what most people do wrong, but I think a better answer to your first question, of uh, what's the biggest mistake people make in marketing? Yeah. Um, they think people give a shit about your pictures. Um, our, our clients, like you need to be able to take a big picture or a good picture, but your, your portfolio is not the highlight of your website. And if it is, you're doing it wrong. Um, if, if, if the first thing people see when they come to your website is just a full screen, um, gallery of images, then you will fail. Um, we are, we deal with consumers, not art buyers, not, um, we're not, we're not dealing with those. Like if, if you're a commercial photographer and you are, you're dealing directly with agencies and art buyers and yeah, you you don't have to create these elaborate funnels and you don't need all the calls to action and you don't probably don't even need to wor worry about SEO. Um, but we aren't selling our photography in that way. We are selling a product that fills a need for a consumer. Like that is from a sales perspective, understanding that and then understanding how to convince someone um, to, to get all the way through to either use your contact form or maybe you've got acuity and um, some type of shopping cart system on your site, like getting people to the end of your funnel is, is key to selling more. And in we are, the more time that goes by, like as years go by and we get further away from, um, how do I put this? 
I don't think that what I create is a commodity. I try very, very hard to differentiate myself. I work very hard educating my clients so that they understand that it's not a commodity. Uh, however, as more and more people enter the market on both sides, we've got we've got photographers entering the market, and we've got clients at different um, at different levels entering the market. What I mean by that is, you know, at first it was executives and and sales driven um, employees that were hiring us to photograph them. Now it's everybody. Everybody that's on LinkedIn needs a headshot. And as as the market grows on both sides, both the supply and the demand side, um, the area, the the number of people that are commodity shoppers are taking up a larger percentage of that market. So it's our job as business owners to to steer them away from the commodity and more towards the the art behind what we do and the passion and getting them excited. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very odd thing because on the, on the location work side, I feel like that's a little bit more of a commodity thing. Um, those people aren't hiring us. I mean, somebody's hiring us, but the, the people we're photographing, they don't have any skin in the game. Um, and if, the skin they do have in the game, they don't even really realize. Um, so we we all do that work because it pays well, but it's not I, it's not the work I get excited about. I, I I don't want to I don't want to shoot thirty people in a day. I'm, 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 I I want to shoot four. And I want to make the best pictures I've ever made for those four for those four people. And I don't know. I'm I'm off on a tangent, but I think that. The bottom line is that there's a lot of effort that goes in to creating a sales process that um, that really nurtures the client and leads to closing deals. And most headshot photographers haven't gotten sophisticated enough in their marketing to take advantage of that. And, um, and that's, that's what I love helping people with because the need for what we do isn't going away anytime soon. Um, but we all need to do a better job of educating our clients so that what we do doesn't just become a commodity. How important is blogging to you? <laughs> um, it depends on your purpose. Like, I don't think anybody on on Facebook gives a shit about your headshot blog. Um, however, um, and you know, I think I think I, I think it was Markham that uh, put this idea in in my head, um, and I I really like the idea. Um, By the way, that's Ben. Sorry. Uh, for those of you not in the headshot crew, that's Ben Markham, one of the headshot crew mentors. Continue, Mike. So, uh, so he said, when someone asks him a question um, via his contact form, rather than like rewriting that question or re-answering that question, if he's got a blog post about it, he'll send them a link to it. Um, so I took that idea 
And I took it one step further. Um, you know, when someone reaches out to me and they, they want an info about my process, they're going to get a series of emails. And um, now I've repurposed all of these old quote unquote blog posts um, into um, like a tutoring system. Like in each email, they're going to get a little bit more information um, on a why it's important to them, like what what they need to know that's going to just benefit them about managing their personal branding. Um, but also it's going to link to like a super detailed post inside my website. And that again, pushes them back into the funnel. Like it, um, it, it, it creates another interaction with the client. Um, so, um, you know, Ben more or less gave me that idea and that I was like, I've got all of this content that isn't, isn't really doing me any good in terms of SEO. Here's, Here's where I think the headshot blogging thing is interesting or where, where I, I think it's, I don't want to, depends on what your purpose is. So you photograph the, um, the purchasing director of some company that no one's heard of and you write a blog post about it and you're, your mom's going to like that post and your wife's going to like the post. And if you had shot crew guys are going to like that post, they're, they're supporting you. Um, but the general public doesn't care. Um, now let's say that you wrote a blog post about, let's say you knew blah, 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 blah. We'll say, we'll just make something up. We'll say, um, what to wear to a headshot session. Like that was a keyword that you wanted to rank for. Um, so you write a blog post about it and then you try to get that blog post to rank. So let's say that this blog post, you succeed and this is in the top three spots nationally. Um, so you're getting all of this national traffic to your website, um, to this specific page about what to wear to a headshot session. But those aren't, what percentage of those people are, 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 are actually, customers um and yeah you position yourself as an expert but let's say a potential customer does get to that page have you designed it in a way that's going to get them to book you or have you just educated them on how to succeed with another photographer um so i think that all all of your seo focus should be on your homepage because that's your that's your funnel. That's, that's where you want people coming in and that's where you can direct them from point to point and take them on this tour that ultimately leads them to making a purchasing decision. Um, I don't know if that was more than what you were looking for, but, um, yeah, that's, I do have a follow-up question. You mentioned these emails that you sent out to people with your, with the information that you wrote, did these go out, uh, after they book you or did they go out if they make an inquiry with your website? It's part of my sales process. So it is, um, it's, it's before they book me um, and after the inquiry. So um, as they opt in for pricing or whatever they want to know, 
that that starts the funnel that starts the drip um the drip of content um and currently and it's always changing but currently i think uh i think actors and um corporate folk are both at about eight emails which go out every other day so it it takes two weeks to to get through the sequence um and ultimately where this came from was um i installed heat maps a, a heat map is something that um you install on the back end of your website and it's it's tracking your visitors um from page to page and even more specifically like are they hovering on certain images? Are they hovering on certain calls to action? What are they doing while they're on the page? Oh, geez, so that's over, creepy. it is in like, there's, there's, there's a couple of them that'll record the experience. So you can go and say, um, all right, what did the last person on my website do? And you can watch them and it's all more or less in real time. Like it's, it's pretty cool. But what you learn by studying that is, Kind of what I said before, people don't necessarily give a shit about your portfolio. Um, they are much more interested in figuring out um, what shit costs, how to contact you, and where you're located. Um, so, like, I, I was watching people go from homepage to rates to contact, homepage rates contact, or homepage straight to contact, or homepage rates bounce, et cetera. Um, so I'm I'm watching them do this over and over and over again, and I get to thinking, okay, well, um, if that's all people care about, then let's give them that. Um, so what I'm doing with these email, because I used to just assume that people were all over my website reading all of this content that I created, because I've got lots of interesting content on my site, um, but they weren't. They they didn't care, and that's fine. That's it's my job to figure that out. Um, so because they weren't taking the time to be educated on my site, um, I insist that they take the time to learn in these email campaigns and maybe they opt out. I would say, I don't know, somewhere around 75% get to the end of the funnel. Um, and it, it, it ends with a breakup email and it's kind of snarky. Um, <laughs> but, uh, of course it does. Um, yeah, I mean, all things come to an end. But, um, you know, I know that I've given it my all at that point. Like, I've I've done my job educating the client. Maybe they maybe they chose somebody else. And I say that. It's like, maybe you chose someone less qualified. Um, that's fine. Um, I actually had a lady two weeks ago respond to that email where, where I say, I, say I, I assume you either got busy or hired somebody less qualified than me. Um, and, uh, she wrote back saying that's insulting. Uh, or I'm, I'm mildly insulted by this email. And I replied, um, uh, are you ready to book a session? And she did. And no way. I, I, I love it when shit like that happens. Cause I, I really am kind of in a, kind of a sarcastic ass at at the heart of things so when i get to be myself and and it works uh, and it works that that's 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 just awesome um so in because she got it she was an awesome client um we 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 had a blast she's a cfo at the art institute and um uh 
so she's got an artsy background. She knows, she know we, we talked art and we talked, we talked students and, um, I don't know. It was a, it was a great shoot. Uh, she had a cool look to her. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the process. So yes, I, I take in each of those emails, I give them a little, some, I give them a little, a, a little taste of things that I think are important that they understand either for the session itself or for the process of selecting a headshot photographer. And <clears throat> you, what you learn is <clears throat> where I, I don't know, there's not one type of client. Um, there are there are people that need something now, so they're they come in and they're ready to make a decision, um, and maybe that's their personality. They're just um, get shit done people. They don't want to drill on things. And then there's people that are ty- are tire kickers. And when you get a tire kicker into your 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 drip campaign, um, those are the ones that usually convert. Um, because you you've stayed fresh in their mind throughout this process. Like every two days you give them a, a little something for free and you give them a reminder. And uh, occasionally when they get to that breakup email, um, they'll say something like, Hey, don't, don't leave. Um, I'm just not ready yet. And then that starts that dialogue. It starts that conversation. And these are people that for years I wasn't catering to. And now that I am, and seeing like how many people are converting on email four, five, six, um, you know, I, I never reached out to somebody four times before. And realistically, from a scale standpoint, you can't do that by hand. So you need to have an automated process to do this for you. And that's a, that's another thing that we cover in the class um, is there's so much you can automate now that uh, it really uh, makes your life easier. You become a more effective marketer through automation. That makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Did I sell you on the class yet, Pedro? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely sounds very interesting. Um, all right. So we got to wrap this up. Where can people go to find out more about you? Um, I am all over the interwebs. Um, we've got, um, 312 elements.com is my headshot business. And then if you go to michael-shaft.com, and that's S-C-H-A-C-H-T, um, you can find my portrait work and the education stuff. Um, currently, uh, um, it's the next workshop, the next like portrait workshop is in El Paso at the end of April. Um, and while I'm there, we're going to figure out some additional dates for... Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area, the um, Portland area, New York, and I think Atlanta. So all that's coming down the pipeline. Um, and then projectbackdrop.com is my, uh, my little backdrop company. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of cool shit in the pipeline. And um, also lots of cool stuff coming up on the portrait group and headshot crew. Um, uh, we are, we are currently scheduling some, some live shoots and some, uh, some live editing sessions. And, um, 
some real, real cool stuff. I mean, and what we've been doing there is cool. Uh, the portrait probe has been super educational for me. Um, but I want to get more people involved. Like there's just cool, cool things happening and I'm very excited about it. Very cool. All right, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for spending time with me and for giving me your insight. And I bet a lot of people have their minds blown and a lot of people loved hearing you discuss all these topics that you talked about. I, I, I always love hearing you talk and you're a very big inspiration for me. So this was a blast for me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right, guys, that's it. I want to thank Mike once again. Uh, he's a very big, like I said, he's a very big inspiration for me. And it was a blast having him on. And this guy knows what he's talking about. I love having people that know what they talk about. Like I did it with Tommy. Now I did it with Mike. They both know what they're talking about. Anyway, um, thanks for thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys um, stopping by and uh, listening to us. If you love the podcast, if you like it and uh, you think it's great, um, if you're listening to this on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Uh, if you leave me a rating or uh, a review, you know, I'm looking for feedback, guys. If you got feedback, give me some feedback. I'll take some feedback. Anyway, give me a rating. Give me five stars or four. Don't give me a one star. Come on. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Give me whatever stars you feel like this is worth. Just uh, give me a rating. Give me a comment. And um, it really helps. Anyway, thanks, guys. I will talk to you next week. All right, bye. Have a great week, by the way. You have a great week. All right, bye.